Hi there. Welcome back to Anxiety Talks. I'm your host, Oriam Decino, and I'm so glad you're back for more this week. Last week, I promised you some controversial topics. We're going to touch on treatment options for children and the controversy of medication for SAD. But we will also be discussing how different adult and child SAD presents and how it's treated. Just to recap, SAD is defined by the 5th edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the DSM-5, as developmentally inappropriate and excessive anxiety in regards to separation from major attachment figures. Major attachment figures are individuals in the patient's life, immediate and intimate, who aid the child with development. They're usually the primary caregivers, parents, grandparents, nannies, people of those sorts. However, in adults, these attachment figures tend to be immediate family. This can include spouses, children, or parental figures. Now that we have recapped what it is we are discussing, let's get into treatments. So in week one of the podcast, I discussed two common forms of treatment. The most common one consisted of behavioral therapy, more specifically cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. CBT helps children understand their anxiety and fears and it assists with its management. They teach children coping skills in order to help the child realize when they're feeling anxious and how to work through it. The controversial treatment here is medication. Medication is usually a last result if therapy doesn't help. SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors are antidepressants that help by increasing serotonin levels. There's also anti-anxiety medication such as benzodiazepine they may also be prescribed, but these can be habit-forming. This is where the controversy kicks in. Therapy obviously sounds like the best option, right? There's no altering chemicals or hormones being introduced into the body and mind of a developing child. Definitely the best case scenario. But to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here, what do you do when therapy doesn't work? When the anxiety gets so bad that it not only incapacitates your child and their life, but your own as well. When it gets in the way of your responsibilities at work and as a functioning adult overall. CBT didn't work. Family therapy didn't work. School counseling didn't work because now your child doesn't even make it to school. You're out of options and the anxiety is debilitating your child. Do you place them on medication to help calm and alleviate the symptoms? Let's say you do it. You take the chance and you place your child on medication. Let's discuss two of your options. SSRIs, or Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor, is an antidepressant that helps by increasing serotonin levels within the brain. Serotonin is said to be the feel-good hormone. This allows the child less feel-bad hormone. The idea behind these antidepressants is that it will help wake up cells that were incapacitated by the anxiety that your child was experiencing. These types of medications seem to be the first choice once therapy isn't viable, only because there's few side effects and they're not habit-forming. There's also anti-anxiety medication that can be prescribed. Benzodiazepine is a specific anti-anxiety medication that helps alleviate the panic symptoms of SAD. The biggest downfall of the medication is just how addictive it is. It's usually only recommended for short-term use for temporary relief. That's a key word, temporary. This is where the controversy comes into play. What do you do then? Do you risk creating a dependency in a juvenile? Do you continue pumping them full of a medication that gives them more feel-good hormone? The very reason for this podcast is awareness. 
If the parents see the signs early on and can help alleviate them with therapy and corrective behaviors, you can avoid ever needing to make such a hard choice. Now, what is the difference between SAD in children and SAD in adults? Separation anxiety is important for a young child's survival. It is normal in infancy up until a child's preschool years. Once a child passes this age group and continues with separation anxiety, only then can they be diagnosed with the disorder. At this point, the child is experiencing an age-inappropriate and excessive amount of anxiety. The diagnostic symptoms, which we spoke about in week one, only have to last about four weeks in children and adolescents. However, in adults, they must last over six weeks. There are different ways that an adult can be diagnosed. They can continue SAD from childhood into adolescence and then into adulthood. This means that there's an intensity in the disorder rather than a reduction in symptoms. This would be a perfect scenario for when medication may be the last result. As an adult taking medication for disorders, it's much easier. You're much more self-aware of what it is that you're introducing into your body and how it affects you. It has everything to do with consent. SAD presents itself very differently in adults. Although the age inappropriate criteria still applies in adults, this is amplified. As a full functioning professional adult, having an unnerving need to know the whereabouts of, let's say your spouse, for example, because the attachment can be to any immediate family member or friend, can be very damaging to your life. This neediness and clinginess goes above and beyond that of someone who is simply dependent on their spouse's presence. The dependency of an adult with SAD is very real and extreme. They will need to be with them at all times. If they are able to cope long enough to have a career, they will need to know the whereabouts of their spouse at all times. The minute that there's a loss of communication, the panic sets in and they will drop any responsibility to ensure that they make contact. Many adults with SAD who do not carry it on from childhood inherit it from some sort of traumatic experience. Losing a loved one in an unforeseen event can send people into a spiral. This can lead to anxious dependency issues which lead to SAD. The treatments for adult SAD are the same as those for children. However, as I mentioned earlier, medication is usually better fit for adults. That wraps up this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we'll visit a real-world example of a parent's struggle with their child who is suffering from SAD. We will listen in on just how it may present itself and how it affects not only the child, but the parent's life. Until next week, I'm your host, Dorian Ticino, and this was Anxiety Talks.